0: All right, welcome back to The Fuse Show, everybody. My name is Bud. I am an account executive here at Xfusion.io and co-host of The Fuse Show. I am excited to be joined by my guest, George Bousalis. George is the co-founder and CEO at Cast. He's a Greek-Canadian who lives to learn, create, and explore. At the age of 10, he started his first three businesses, which we'll get into in just a bit. Uh, It's now 2021, and his passion project has turned into a startup. He chose to step down from his role as VP of Ops from the family business, and his sole focus is now bringing honesty, objectivity, and transparency to social media. George, thanks for being on the show, my friend. Thanks, my pleasure to be here. All right. Like I said, we'll get into this in just a little bit. It's been just a little bit, so let's get into this. (laughs) At the age of 10, you started your first three businesses, a lemonade stand, a door-to-door snow shoveling service and a garage sale. You live in Toronto, so I'm guessing the lemonade stand was a summer business. Door-to-door shoveling was a winter business. And a garage sale was a way to make money off of your siblings' toys. Yep, correct. Explain that to me. So
1: (laughs) I, um, obviously growing up in a very entrepreneurial family, uh, which, you know, probably talk about my my father had a, has a um, commercial facility services company. I knew it as as he was a businessman as a kid from a very young age, took me to work with him and we kind of follow him around. So I was like, oh, this is how business people do things. They sell, they talk, and, you know, it kind of it, it, it appealed to me from a young age. So, you know, naturally every kid has a lemonade stand. I don't even know where you get the idea from, but it's kind of this, you know, um, generic thing, this cliche thing that every kid does. I started doing that and I was, you know, I guess it was pretty good at it drawing up the signs, making the lemonade. My father is also quite a good cook, so he helped me like make everything at home. Uh and yeah, I did pretty well with that. You know, I made a couple bucks being like five, six years old. That's a that's a lot of money, buys you a few freezies and 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 pops and all that stuff. So I was I was pretty pumped and I was like, okay, this is interesting. And then snow in the winter, naturally needed something to do, go shovel the driveways continued to do that, knocked on neighbors' doors. They would, you know, I would charge them like a dollar and they'd give me 20s and this, and I thought I was like the richest kid in the world. Um, but the most interesting one is as I started doing this, it's like, okay, well, I only have so much labor I can I can use to put to this. Like, no one will get me so far. I got to keep working to make money. How can I make money off things that, like, how can I compound all of this? What can I get that will help me make exponential returns? And I thought, hmm, I can sell my stuff, but then I can sell other people's stuff because I didn't pay for it. <laughs> Which, if I said that today, people would probably think I'm a thief,
0: uh, and
1: I probably wouldn't be legally allowed to do that. Or I know I'm not legally allowed to do that, but naturally, you know, my siblings would be off at camp or whatever, and I'd run around the basement, find stuff that they thought that they had to decide. Like, oh, they're never going to use this again, or, you know, they don't care about this hat. And I collected all of it, set up a garage sale, um, and needless to say, I did pretty well at it, made a lot of money. And then my mom comes home, and she goes... What's all this stuff? It's not all your stuff. I was like, I found it on the basement. I figured it was garbage. And, anyways, learned my lesson that I can't sell people stuff that doesn't belong to you. But we had a laugh. And that was my first foray in kind of the, the early years of being an entrepreneur. Um, but I learned a lesson how to do things a little more ethically, I guess you would say. Not, like I said, not take from people and use their, uh, use their goods to, to profit off of. But yeah, that was kind of my first foray into business.
0: Yeah. So, did. Did you get to keep any of that money or, or did you have to give it back?
1: I gave, I gave some of it back. I mean, I think I told them that I only sold a few things, <laughs> but I remember, I actually do remember like having it in a fanny pack and giving something to my siblings and, and, uh, but you know, I, I, I was fair, gave them most of it, but you know, I did the work. So naturally I gave, <laughs> I made them money. So my, my time was, a, um, had some cost to it as well. I guess you could say. So I rationalized it.
0: <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. I I took the time to collect all your stuff. I took the time to set it out. I took the time to sell it so I get some of it. Yeah, I I get it.
1: I keep ninety percent, you get ten percent. It's
0: a pretty fair deal. (laughs) (laughs) That's a pretty fair deal. You went off to camp and and you left it with me, so I can keep some. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You you must have been the
1: older brother. Yeah. I'm the oldest of three. Mom my siblings, I have a sister and a brother. We're all one year apart, so we grew up very, very close. It's probably a little bit harder for like yeah, you know, a little harder for me to explain that I sold their toys. Probably weren't too happy, but I uh
0: I'm the youngest of four. Okay and there's four of us that are just over five years apart. So we're we're fairly close too, and and I was the one always getting screwed. So yeah, yeah. I feel their pain. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. The young <laughs> yeah. one. My brother yeah, my brother would say the same thing. He's a young one, he feels like he was always the one that got the short end of the stick. <laughs> I sp- most of his toys are yeah. the ones that I sold. Cause I knew that he's younger. Yeah, sure. What's he going to do? He's, he's half my size. He's not going to put up a fight. Unfortunately, my parents <laughs> are very diplomatic and you know, when it's wrong, it's wrong. So they had his, his back pretty often. So I,
0: I learned. Yeah. Well, I, I love that story. That's, that's funny. Um, but I'm glad you, you figured out the ethical way to do business now. And, um, We'll we'll get into Cast here in just a little bit because that is uh, a, a, an ethical uh, company from what what I can see. But we started when you were ten. Yeah. So let's let's kind of work our way up to Cast. Sure. So your your dad owns a company. So starting off as a ten year old going door to door shoveling driveways, you get into your father's company, which is. Um, a cleaning company, from what I can gather. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that correct? Yeah, your Family yeah. business? Exactly. Okay. Uh, Impact Cleaning Services. Um, you work your way up through this company all the way to VP of operations. Yep. Um, what does that do for you and your entrepreneurial mindset? So,
1: I'll try to keep this, like, kind of story concise. I, I have I'll give uh, a little bit of context. I have a tendency to, to speak in a nonlinear way. I kind of jump around at times. So I'm, I'm working at it, but that's fine. Um,
0: we've, we've got all the time in the world. You don't have a hard stop today. Beautiful.
1: Beautiful. So, um, I, you know, starting from a really young age, I always, I think my, you know, my parents are both amazing people, but my dad was kind of like my idol. I you know, I thought businessman, that's cool. You make money, you know, you, everything's nice. Um, uh, you know, you get to help lead people and so forth. And, uh, but I, being young and a little bit naive, you see the sides, like you see a boss and they're stern and they get to decide what's right, what's wrong. Tell them, well, you have to do this. I basically, I guess what I'm getting at is when I was young and I was starting the company, I looked at it, my dad is a boss, not as a leader. I didn't really know what the two differences were. I didn't know that to be someone who, who really respects, uh, commands, respects, commands, respect, and, and does great things. And, you know. People want to work with them and lead and so forth is a leader, or not a boss. Um, but naturally, when I first got into it, I kind of took that. I, I think I, um, I didn't have the, again. I didn't know how to separate the two. So I thought I'm going to come in and work and I'm going to be the boss and you know I, I can do things my way and because you know I don't have necessarily the risk of being fired and so forth. I can, I have a little more leniency. So coming in like a young you know young kid at 16 even for my first positions. Um, he put me, he had me start at the bottom of the company. I started as a janitor cleaning, uh, like a mall. And then even from the early days, even though I was at the bottom, I still didn't really, um, how am I going to put this? Like I didn't take it in stride and say, you know what? I'm going to start at the bottom and do that. I still always try to find a way to kind of be a boss and a delegator, uh, because I thought that's what was supposed to do to make work my way up. And. I did that and I climbed the ranks and sure, you know, you learn the way you say, okay, I can't do this and this is my role and I have to stay within those parameters to learn this role effectively. I can't just act like I've done it all already. Um, but anyways, needless to say, I still kind of fast track my climb to the company, but I got to a point where uh, I was like a manager and I had a, a pretty big uh, portfolio and a lot of people working for me. And when something wouldn't go right, I was a lot more stern and I said, you know, you have to do it this way. You're making us look bad. And I wasn't really good at being empathetic. To the cleaner's causes. So growing up by seeing my dad, like he started from the bottom and worked his way up. Whereas even though I worked my way up, I still had the benefit of still, you know, probably climbing faster than a normal person would. So I didn't have to take the normal lumps, the normal um repercussions of being like if I was, you know, a little bit rude to somebody, for instance, a normal manager would have corrected me and, and you know, kind of reprimanded me for it. I think people were obviously afraid that if they did that to me, my father would step in. He wouldn't have, but I think that's what they thought. So I got kind of favoritism. Which didn't help, obviously. Sure. So anyways, I would go for the ranks thinking all this. So when I'm, you know, at a university now working full time as a manager, I'm like, I'm the boss now. I'm going to learn to take over, make, you know, take over the company and so forth. And um, I think I rubbed a lot of people the wrong way by doing it like this. Like people above me or the senior management team was trying to help me along the way. But I think I th- thought I knew everything naturally as most 18, 19, 20 year olds do. And I realized over time that, okay, I'm not getting through to people. It's not effective. Started so to learn and grow and, and realize that, like, this is it's not the way you lead people. And, you know, you start to rub the wrong way and, you know, kind of all these negative imp- uh, repercussions come as a result of it. I didn't realize that it was my doing. So, anyways, I, you know, I, I started to learn and be a little more observant and say, okay, what am I doing differently? You know, my dad is a stern guy, but he's also very empathetic and he does these things. And I was starting to see that more and started to realize that. You know, when I was young, I saw him be a boss. I can only see the part that he's like, you know, the cliche boss, You stand and lecture and do these things, but you don't really take into the fact that you still got to be empathetic. You still got to realize you're dealing with humans and with people and they got to put food on their plate. And it's not even the boss or the leader doing the work. It's your people. And if they do a good job, then you look good. If they do a bad job, you do a bad job and so forth. So I guess in a nutshell, Working for him and shouting from a very young age was maybe a little bit detrimental because I saw what I wanted to see because I didn't have the kind of the ability to kind of pick and understand what each action was independently. I just kind of saw this all-encompassing vision of what a boss or a leader is. But I think naturally, once I finished university and had to go through kind of those lumps, and I, in fact, was fired a couple times by my own father, that started to teach me a lesson and set me on the right path um and i think he started telling people hey you can't go easy on him like you have to put him in line and a lot of our vps and executives stopped going easy on me and really started to treat me as if i was just another employee and then that kind of helped set in motion That's good for him yeah it kind of set in motion a little bit Enough. of of understanding like this is he's not going to give me the keys to the me or my siblings the keys to the kingdom if we're going to be a, just a bunch of spoiled kids that think that they're entitled to everything and don't realize how much work goes into building something like this and how much the people matter more than we, in fact, matter. So that started to teach me a lot of it. Again, him firing me twice definitely opened my eyes. And then it all kind of culminated when I took, that, took a sabbatical uh, and left in 2017 to kind of really figure out a little bit on a deeper sense what I wanted to do, who I wanted to be, and how I wanted to kind of build my entrepreneurial career farther. I don't want to jump too far ahead, but yeah, that kind of all—it's kind of all what I learned in, in the years coming up. It was a long time; that was over a decade. I started when I was actually more—I started at 16 years old, and I worked till about 27 years old before I took some time off. Um, and then, yeah, a lot of that was a lo- lo- lot of learning along the way, a lot of bumps and bruises, but um, very grateful for what what he and the people of the company put me through and taught me, because I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for their um, for their patience and their They're patients, they're, they're, um, they're, you know, kind of soft massaging and mentoring, but then also later on, they're kind of more direct to the point. Hey, you can't, you know, do this. You're being, being a terrible person. You shouldn't do that. And that's kind of shaped where I, where I got, where I'm getting to today. And I'm continuing to learn.
0: Awesome. Awesome. So let's, let's go ahead and talk about that sabbatical then. So you're, you're coming up on 27. You're, you're not sure if you want to do this you know thing for the rest of your life with your dad, so you take thirteen months off and you go backpacking through forty one different countries yeah, yeah is that correct forty yeah. one yeah a lot of countries and some right. and some
1: of them some of them multiple times
0: too um
1: like stop anyways forty one total, but I think it was like something like almost fifty in the
0: end that's crazy, yeah, so why did you do that and and what did you learn over that little over little over a year so
1: it kind of ties back to kind of where I left that story off and I didn't you no know, didn't want to ramble too much in that tried to get it there um to kind of build up to this part is that um, when i hit 27 i started to realize okay like i'm obviously you know i'm learning but i'm not doing some things right and, you know, I thought that being a leader and taking up this company would make me happy. And I thought that I loved cleaning. And, I like, I, I, what I thought I would be in my life, I thought I would be a, maybe a lot happier. Not that I was unhappy. I just thought that I had these grand visions, you know, 27, probably running the company. And, um, you know, would have grown year over year. And and amongst other things, would have done more traveling, seen the world. So, I guess I just one day I woke up, or actually... I didn't wake up. I remember where I was going. I was walking to yoga one night. I live in downtown in Toronto here. And I left yoga. And I said, I like kind of sad. And I was like, this is weird. Like I have every you night know, I have my own condo downtown now that I, you know, earn myself. And, you know, running the company or slowly learning to run the company and so forth. But I still felt like I wasn't the best I could be. It felt like where I wanted to be and so forth. Again, even though I was grateful for where I got to and realized that I was probably I guess from a financial perspective, more like more secured at that age than a lot of people my age are. You know, very fortunate to be in the position I was in. So I started thinking about it. And I was you know, maybe need to get away for a bit, like by myself. i never traveled alone. The irony of all this was, even though I was a young entrepreneur, I started from a very young age, and I, I actually was like a very open, talkative guy, easy to go and sell stuff, like not shy, not the slightest. As I got older, I started to get a little more timid, which was which was weird. Like I didn't like public speaking as much. And whether that stems from some insecurities or whatever it is, um, I didn't feel as I was being my best self. I felt like I was hiding behind things. And, um, maybe part of that was, you know, living in in the shadow of my father a little bit, maybe had some sort of effect on that. You know, thinking that I see what he's doing and how he's still done it. And I'm like, maybe coming to the terms that, you know, maybe I I won't be like this great. He built this thing from nothing. So anyways, one day I'm like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to, I'm going to take a, I'm going to take a little bit of a leave to go travel. Um. And how it kind of started snowballing was um, my parents planned a family trip. We typically go to Greece in the summers, obviously being Greek. Um, my dad's from a small town. We still have our family home there. So we go in the summertime and we, every now and then we would do a winter trip as well, like a new year's kind of family trip. We're getting older. My sister and brother are married. So my parents said, you know, before kind of everything, everyone goes in their own way, let's do a big family trip. So they decided to take us to Africa and we went to South Africa and Tanzania for new years. So this awesome. co- this coincided with when i was like thinking of the idea you know maybe i need to take a break and i saw they told us about this trip so i thought okay you know i can kind of plan something around this we'll backpack a little bit more of in uh, of uh of africa and uh then i started looking at africa and i was like oh it's close to the middle east and, and india's not far and i just started like putting points on a map and, and you know i said maybe i'll go for an extra month and then it was extra two months and it just started spiraling um and there's so much there because I'm looking at this like, oh, if I take over this company, you know, sure, I can grow it and, and, you know, you make money, all that stuff. But, you know, will I have time to travel? Can I do all these things? What about if I have kids and a family? And then it's like impending dooms that are coming and it made me even even more like worried that like I'm missing out on stuff. Um, so I just said, you know what, forget it. I'm just packing my bag. I'll give them a few months. I'm going to get prepared for this and I'm going to, you know, not screw the company over because I can't leave them high and dry, but I'm just going to go and do it. If I don't do it now, I never will. And I I felt that I needed it for myself. I go by myself in this world, you know, not with friends, just be alone, see these sites, do all these things. And, yeah, I just, I decided to just pack up. And on August 1st, 2017, I left. uh, It was 13 months. It was broken up. I I came home after four months for Christmas time. We went back out to Africa to that part of the trip that was a family trip. Stayed out there, went through Southern Africa. You know, my sister and I backpacked a little bit together after our family left. And then I went back again on my own to India and and Asia came back home and surprised my dad for his 65th birthday, which was pretty cool. And then went back out had another five, six months, you know, in, in, uh, I think it was a lot of like Asia and Europe. So I got to spend my last summer in Europe. And then it kind of, I mean, I learned a lot in there, but I'll kind of wrap this part of the story up. And, uh, it was the best decision I ever made. It, it, when you're by yourself in, in foreign countries, especially when you don't speak the language natively and, um, you just learn a lot about who you are. You learn a lot about, uh, you have a lot of time to self-reflect and realize that, you know, you, you might not be perfect. Your chances are you're not perfect. And you're not going to be perfect. And, you know, realizing you have flaws or realizing your things you want to do better is great, but you also have to be content with who you are and what you have before you can do any of these things. Cause you can have a dollar or a million dollars. If you're not happy with one, you can't be happy with the other. And yeah, that's kind of a lot of the, in, in a nutshell, what I had learned, uh, through those travels amongst uh, many other things. But in essence, Tommy used to be content and, you know, strive for more always and want to do better and be better and improve yourself, but don't be so hard on yourself. Kind of, you know, everyone's figuring out as they go. It's kind of a story in a nutshell there.
0: No, oh, it's awesome. It's awesome. So you get back from this and I mean, was your, were your parents super supportive? was your dad? Like, what the heck are you doing, son? Like, what were his thoughts during this? So uh, I, the
1: first person I told was my sister, uh, because I know she's very, she's probably like, we're very <laughs> similar in our, in our, like our love for adventure and exploring and travel. Uh, she's like, you're out of your mind. You're not going to get be allowed to do this. And I, I said to her, I like, no, respectfully, I'm not asking anybody's permission. I'm just giving you a heads up. And, you know, I was hoping you could like, well, no, what do you think? And then she kind of calmed down and says, well, like if I could do it, I would do it. So I don't blame you, uh, but good luck, you know, Telling dad, told my mom, told the family. <laughs> they were they said the same thing. Like you're you're nuts. You're not going to be allowed. You're supposed to take over. Your dad's retiring in a couple of years. You can't do this. Um, and I oh before I would have taken that and said you know you're right because I used to not I would always want people to kind of permit um I would look for people's permission and kind of acceptance that I was on the right track even though I very well knew even at that age that I probably had the right decision. Um taking everything into consideration but i always wanted that approval from anybody and everybody i was never confident like i know what i'm doing i can do it um and even if i make a mistake i'll make it and, and own it so i told my dad and i remember that i actually i didn't tell him first i told a cousin of mine and he accidentally told my dad he goes wow it's amazing george is gonna leave for 13 months <laughs> man my dad's like what what, what, what are we talking about he comes home that night or comes to the office the next morning and he goes uh Calls me to his office. We start talking. He goes, "Yeah, so you, you think you're going away?" I said, "Look, we don't have to get into this because there's no point in debating. You're not going to convince me." I said, "I'm not asking your permission, but you can do this the easy way or the hard way. I can stay here for the next few months and help make sure we don't, you know, implode my position in this company and do it the right way, or we can resist it and you know, you can be in denial and it's going to not be good for anybody. So let's, you know, be logical here. Um, I need to do this and so forth." He wasn't super on board early on, but the, the interesting thing was like my dad and me have always had a great relationship, like, you know, takes t- always around would drive when like, Travis was never, was never not there. He was always there for us and, and where I am today is as a result of everything. He's, you know, all the hard work he's done. Uh, but he's like a very old school guy. We wouldn't, we wouldn't hop on the phone and talk for, you know, 20 minutes, having a heart to heart most days, like, Hey, what are you doing? How's work? And so forth. Just very, you know, casual conversation. When I started this trip, he called me every single day to check in on where I was, to see how I was doing. I you know, I, I vlogged a lot of my trips. So he would, you know, he would see the YouTube video, send it to his buddies, he'd call me, tell me, oh, you know, I have this friend in this city, go see him. Uh, so I think it well, I don't think I know that it helped make like my relationship with him better, my family, as much as it could have been stronger. We were already really close, but it was really cool because he he said to me after I came back. Uh, after four months, and you know, he sat me down. He's like, "Look, when I wasn't telling you not to go, because when I was a kid, I wanted to do the same thing." I, you know, he told me this whole plan to travel, and he never did it because he moved here, started working, and and never had the chance. So he goes, "I respect you for doing that." He goes, "You know, but I'm your father, and actually, I want you to be around. I'm scared, you know, what if something happens to you when you're there? You think about all these things." And he said, "Yes, selfishly, sure, I want you to, you know, work and take over, but." I'm confident he sees the the benefit I got out of it. I can, I can confidently say this, not me just speaking like highly of myself. I know it helped change me and how I how I act towards people, how I view the world, how empathetic and patient I am. Still not very patient, but more patient than I was before. Um, so yeah, it definitely helped. Uh, yeah, it improved a lot of things for myself and also helped my brother kind of be thrust into the role of, you know, now you got to lead this thing and, and help him kind of grow up. So a lot of like, cool things that happened as, as a result of it. And my brother and I are super close, so that was really cool to see him, you know, not live under my shadow, I guess, if you will, because he was the young one. Right. And it kind of thrusted him up, and he's been killing it. He's uh, Now that I'm over at Cast, he's taken over fully, and hopefully Cast, you know, Cast goes to the way we want it to go, because if I got to go back to work, I have to work for him, I think now it's going to kind of suck. But, but yeah, it's great. A lot of great stuff came out of that trip.
0: Awesome. Awesome. So you get back from there, and, and, and what do you do? Like, do you decide, well, I mean, that's what 17 you're. So it's August, September of 18 that you get back. Right. Um, So you don't start cast right away. What, what do you go into after you get, get back from there?
1: So when I got back, <clears throat> while I was on this trip to it, it, it did this thing where like, I still, uh, it made me also, sorry, let me give some context. When I was on this trip, it made me realize that. I actually do love cleaning. Like I grew up with like I like Fisher Price vacuums were my favorite toy. I had this weird obsession with cleaning and, and all this stuff. And I think it's as a result of my father being in this business. Um and I, I still loved it. I still wanted to do it, but it didn't excite me as much. And I and I realized on this trip that what excited me the whole time was not the cleaning business, it's just the thought of building something great that can help a lot of people, you know, improve lives and so forth. But the underlying Kind of the why is what appealed to me. And I started to realize that that's the most important part um, of the bi- of a business and of any business. The why you're doing it. Because anybody can clean. Anybody can start a social app. But if you're doing it for the wrong reasons, typically, you'll know it. People will see it. It'll come out. So you have to really be committed to the purpose, I guess, of what you're doing. And I did believe in it. I said, you know what? I think I, I started to realize I was unhappy with the cleaning business because I felt it was very... Um, it was like dated. There wasn't a lot of technology. The way of business was very old school and naturally like any service business. That bothered me. So I said, okay, I still love this. And, you know, even though I have frustrations, I know why I want to do it. I want to improve and be, you know, the best cleaning company and give a lot of people great paying jobs and all this stuff. So I still love it. I'm going to go back into it. So that's what I did when I came back. I said, you know, I was happy doing it before. I think I was just missing the forest and the trees and not realizing that the things that made me unhappy were things that I wasn't doing a good enough job to control and control the things that I have power to control. So I jumped back in. uh, We started to really streamline things. My brother and I, because he was still there, my brother and I said, like, how do we improve this? Like, you know, we shouldn't be at the mercy of people telling us how to do our job. We want to be the best. Let's be the best. Let's go find the ways to to improve our service offerings, our technology, our innovation, all of that stuff. And not worry if people say, you know, we don't want this, we don't want that. Like, we're going to do what we know is right for our people, for for our reputation, and so forth. So we started doing that and we were you know we were flying my brother and i brought these new innovations in stuff that our industry hadn't seen up here before and that was great we started new verticals as well we we started to branch off and and open up kind of subsidiaries that offer auxiliary services that would help you know improve bottom line and profitability but that were also really fun um you know naturally being cleaners we're in offices we started like a office snacking and coffee company because we're in all these big offices we're in all these tech offices that's another service we can offer and so forth. So we started to find out how to be more efficient as a business, how to improve offerings and kind of capture the whole supply chain and vertically integrate, which was very cool. That taught me a new aspect of business and kind of the early days of launching a startup. A little bit different because you had the backing of a, of a, of a corporation with infrastructure. So it wasn't really like a bootstrap sure. grind out every dollar. But it was cool because we had to build a brand and have these visions. So that gave me that taste of what it's like to kind of build something um, from the ground up. And then we kept doing that. And that was for the better part of 2018 till about 2020, right before the pandemic hit. Of oh, 2019, sorry. Wow, I only was only there for a year. Now that I think about the time, I wasn't there that long. Um, 2019, yeah, the pandemic hit. We, being in the cleaning business, we cleaned a lot of, we cleaned mostly office towers and industrial buildings. Um, industrial went up because obviously a lot of logistics sites and stuff like that. And the world obviously moved to e commerce. But the office space has decreased naturally. Um, at the beginning, it was super busy. Mm-hmm. So we had a boom in business because everyone was freaking out about, you know, cleaning surfaces and disinfecting. And, and that was great. Uh, but obviously, it subsided and has been since. So our business took a bit of a hit uh, that first first maybe six to 12 months. Um, and I had downtime. Now, during that downtime, I, I not want to sit around and do nothing. I mean, I had free time. So I spent a lot of time reading and learning. But I naturally wanted to do something else that... You know, there's some ideas that I have. Maybe I can, I can act on one of these passion projects and I kind of jumped a little bit. But Oddly enough, cast the idea for it actually came up while I was traveling. It was a little bit different. Um, It was more in the sense of like a, more like a, uh, like a prediction game. Like instead of, you know, what do people think about this? It was more like someone asks a question and you say, you know, I think this is going to be the result. And you get points based on how correctly the outcome is okay and that idea kind of came out during the trip now when the pandemic hit and it slowed down that's when i called up um called up my best friend and now one of my co-founders and i told brought the idea up again to him i said you remember this idea we talked about it goes, yeah i said well you know what if we work on this Will we change it a little bit uh, because of the, the landscape of the media and the world and a lot of people polarized how can we find something to be more honest about public opinion and that's kind of where the early bit of of cast started so from when I came back from the trip, it was all my focus was not to start a new startup, not to launch a tech company. It was to you know take over the cleaning world and, and be the best cleaning cleaning company and facility service company out there and, and offer a service second to none. But naturally, I'm you know had an opportunity that I felt like we couldn't pass up on, and I think if we didn't jump at the opportunity of cast and do what we had the downtime, we probably would have kicked ourselves later. So that's kind of where it where it led me into uh, in between that or the end of that trip and where I kind of am today, more or less
0: awesome so you're you're learning things about startups you're you're learning things about business your whole life you have this passion project you can you kind of make a few little tweaks in your head about from what you thought it was going to be kind of to what you want it to be now so now we get to cast right tell us about cast what it is and and why you finally Decided on what the final product is going to be. Sure.
1: Um, so I'll give a little high level. Cast is a uh, social voting app. And essentially it's like social uh, social voting, social polling. It's kind of like if for anyone listening, for those who use um, Twitter polls, ask Reddit. Um, if you post a story on Instagram and you use that a like that kind of this or that uh, poll function. <laughs> like that, but on its own platform on steroids, uh, a lot more depth to the data and a lot more transparent and and, uh, frictionless for people to to participate and share their opinions. Why we did this, uh, the the why and the purpose of CAST is we had a problem and this is where the idea came up. We had an issue with um, the lack of transparency and kind of the inability to see a real objective view of public opinion. Like we would go on Twitter, for instance, and sure, they, they aggregate all the trending topics, see what everyone's talking about. But if you've ever taken a, you know, taken a minute to click into them, especially the ones that are maybe a little bit more controversial, if you will, or ones that can, you know, influence people to be a little bit more upset or outraged, whatever it is, um, social issues. Whenever you click it, I have found, at least through my personal use, you see one side of the narrative. Now myself, personally, I have beliefs and I, I know what I like, what I don't like, what I agree with, what I disagree with. But if there's one thing that I know is that I'll never tell someone, unless uh, unless it's violent, race, whatever, I'll never tell someone their opinion is wrong. I, just because I don't believe in what they believe doesn't mean their opinion is less valid. It doesn't mean mine is correct. An opinion is, again, I'll believe. It's not baked in fact necessarily. So if someone tells me something that I disagree with, I'll say, oh, that's interesting. I, I don't agree. And I don't know how you got there. But cool. That's something that I didn't consider. I guess what I'm getting at is I like to kind of see all sides of a story before I can formulate an opinion. I you know, I just think that you have to consider all aspects. Um, and, and I don't believe that you should be married to any idea that you know, most people, you grow up and you evolve. You like different things than you do a year ago, five years ago, ten years ago. So when someone comes at me with something I don't agree with, I might say, okay, I don't like that. I don't agree with it, but how can I learn from it? So my point is that when I would go on these trending topics... Or when I would see things in the media, I would see one side or the other. I would never see like a you know an, um, an aggregation of everything. I'd never see you know there's people saying this and this and they're having this conversation. I would see everybody believes this or everyone believes that, and I would always say, "Well, that can't make sense because someone's got to believe otherwise." And, and the example I use kind of often because the most recent that comes to <laughs> mind is um, there was a Netflix show that made a joke about Taylor Swift. They made an analogy about her dating life, uh, you know, something like. She basically dates a lot of people in, in, in a, some kind of analogy. And it was a joke. I guess I didn't see it. But then I saw a news article that you know Taylor Swift came out and said the joke was extremely misogynistic and sexist and so forth. So when I saw that, I said, okay, I'm, well, how bad could this be? I look into it and I go on Twitter and it posted the joke so I could see what it was. I thought, okay, it's whatever. Not that bad. But I also saw the whole trending topic was people defending her like, trying to cancel this show. I was like, okay, you're telling me there's not one person in the world that found it funny? there has to be one person here um, or it, more than that, but I can only see part of it. And I think that's a disservice to people. Showing people one side, whether the side they're going to be most angry with or most agreeable to is confirmation bias. And it's what creates this belief of echo chambers and so forth. So to wrap up the why is that we believe that people should be given all information. Like you should be set, you should be given a, in an easy way to say, people are saying this. And this is, you can understand, you know, the majority say this and they think this, but even of that majority, is it all white males? Is it, you know, black females? Is it ma- whatever, 20-year-olds versus 30-year-olds? Is it people in Toronto or people in Colorado? Like, there should be some depth to it. Um, and you should be able to formulate your own opinion, not be pushed a narrative or an agenda. So we took all that and said, this probably seems like an unrealistic and daunting task to try and solve, but let's try and solve it. What do we have to lose? And that was the foundation on which the cast started to come about and why we built something that is called social voting, which I can explain why we did it that way and why it makes sense. But our ultimate mission is to just serve people an honest and instant snapshot of true public opinion. And we built a platform that helps people
0: get that instant snapshot. Yeah. I love that. Um, because you're right. If, if you look at um, how how the the tech companies follow you as a person and and see what you like and then tailor everything to you like it's it's purposefully biasing you towards everything that you, that you like and it pushes you further and further and further towards one side or the other and and then you don't you don't get any other side whether that's left or right or whatever. And, and it's just, and what it's doing is, is causing a huge rift in, in our social construct, I guess you could say. And, and it's just bad, you know? I mean, so, so now we, you know, we look at people as enemies instead of people Mm and, and, so why, do, why can't we have a good conversation with somebody that we disagree with instead of an argument? Because there is a huge difference between an argument and a conversation or a disagreement. You know, but now we look at somebody and we're like, oh, you disagree with me? Well, you're a horrible person. Well, there's, there's a lot of people that I disagree with that are really, really great people. And I just disagree with them. And that's okay. So, no, I love it. I agree
1: with that. You kind of nailed it. That's the, bit, the, the thing that, too, that as I've done this, you know, you start to dive deeper in it. And it's interesting because I, my, my best friends and my family believe things that I don't necessarily believe or even agree with. And I'm not going to, you know, I, we have discussions around it. I say, well, this is why I think that it's maybe incorrect or less maybe accurate, whatever it is less accurate naturally we're humans we still want to debate and still want to believe we're right it still feels good even though like myself i know that it's, you can't always be right and it's not nothing wrong with being wrong it still does feel a little bit good no matter who you are you want to feel like you know you're right every now and then if not most of the time but like i have my best friend my co-founder my two of my co-founders are my best friends and we're very very different people we don't see the world the same way we don't believe the same things we even care ourselves differently But I know genuinely that they're good people. They care about those around them. So because he likes something different or thinks the pizza place I like is terrible, I think he's a bad person. And that's the the weird thing is like we see everybody walking around today and and you kind of say, you know, I know this person voted this way. I know this person goes to this school. And all of a sudden you ignore the face. You ignore the human. You say they like that one thing. They must be awful. That's so bizarre. Mm -hmm. It's so bizarre, and actually, weirdly enough, one of the things that I always found interesting is when you travel. The farther you get from your home, the less you'll let me explain this properly. The farther you get from your home, the more you will find the smallest detail to gravitate to somebody. So, for example, if I'm you know if I'm in Toronto and I meet another Canadian, I'm going to say, "Oh, cool, he's a Canadian." I'm going to judge him for other things. But put me out in like Thailand. And I meet a guy who's Canadian that ha- probably has nothing in common with me. I will be like, wow, he's Canadian. We're like best friends now. And it's funny how you—you you, the closer you are to the area, you kind of gravitate to which you believe. I guess you just you try to size people up with these little specific things. He likes one thing, so he must be terrible all around. But you get farther, and it doesn't matter. One thing that gives you that—that that feeling of home, your your worldview of people, and how you look at a human changes so much. And that's one of the other things that I wish more people would go and travel, never mind travel, but go alone and realize how much you, like, we're all humans. It doesn't matter where you are, what you are, what you believe. There's bad people in the world. There's bad people everywhere. But most people I believe are inherently good. So why do we always default to, oh, this person's awful? No, why don't you assume he's good, but maybe he's a little bit dumb and doesn't, I don't agree with that. That's okay. But mm-hmm. anyways, I, I would agree with what your assessment yeah. does. It's bizarre.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's because of what we watch and, and what we do, and it's, I don't know. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. I think we could go down a rabbit hole here. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so we better be careful. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> You know, and that's one of the things you're trying to do, right? You made a point about, like, being wedged, kind of our social constructs of being split, and that's one of the things, too, with Cass. We're not trying to, we don't push any side of the narrative. We, we Our platform aggregates everything. It's just, if you like sports and you click on this poll of LeBron James and, and Michael Jordan, excuse me, we're not going to show you the one that agrees with Michael Jordan or whatever you believe. We're going to say, this is what people think. You can f- hopefully mm-hmm. take that in front of you. And you guys are now both in the comment section discussing around true public opinion. So hopefully you can have a healthier conversation. You still don't have to agree. You still have your opinions. But you're not, you know, I have these facts and I have these facts. And I'm going to yell and hope that you see the world the same way. We're trying to paint this like kind of objective worldview that everybody can have access to. Uh, and kind of, you know, have healthy conversations around that.
0: Yeah. And, and one thing I really like is is your vote on cast is 100% anonymous. But your comments are not. Like, you can vote anonymously. But if you comment, you have to own them. Mm-hmm. You have to own your comments. You you can't be an anonymous bully. I mean, you, you have to be, you know, you have to own who you are. Um. I, I like that. You know, you, you can't be a keyboard warrior. um. So. But I got to give you know. credit, man. You I, I do, think that's a good thing. I
1: got to give you credit. You uh, you do your homework. like You really do, man. It's really, it's really cool to, to see because like, I've been on, uh, you know, I'll turn this around on you a little bit. I've been on some, you know, guests on some other podcasts too and they want to talk about cast and I can, you know, you kind of get that sense that sometimes people just kind of, you know, Google the website, they see a little buzz line and they try to steer it. But even from the get-go, man, you've you know you're still appreciate it.
0: Well, not a problem. Uh, that's I try. You, you clearly I, I don't yeah, always you, hit the mark, but I try. No, you're good at what you do, man. It's, yeah. it's great. Oh, thanks. Um, so no, it's I don't know. I I like what you have going. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's cool. It's cool how how you're. I I, I don't know. I just I like the I like the tr- trajectory of where you've come from to, to where you're going. Um, but tell me how, how it is, um, cause you, you didn't come from a technical background, right? Yeah. I mean, you came from a cleaning background and now you are starting and owning a a technical platform. How does that go? Like, Good question. Um, yeah. That's because I'm not a technical guy either. And this is, I mean, this was hard for me when I when I first did a podcast. I'm like, so out of my element. <laughs> how, how does that go for you? Well,
1: look, I, um,
0: <clears throat> yeah, it,
1: it was definitely there's there's ups and I guess there's good and bad ups and downs and things I've learned. The one thing I've always believed in, my, my, my dad, uh, both my parents have always told me, but my dad always had this analogy. And he always told me as a kid, you know, you should always believe that you can do anything. You know, and he used a weird analogy. He'd always say, you know, if I'm on a three, if I'm on the third story of a building and I think I can jump and land on my feet, I'm going to land on my feet. Kind of weird because I don't think I, I don't think that he, like, I understand what he was trying to say. Most people wouldn't believe that and do that. But he's trying to just tell me, like, don't be scared to take leaps. Don't like if you believe that you can be the president of the United States, like you believe it and work hard towards it. Um, but you can do, or at least try to do anything you want. You should never hold yourself back. Um, to your point, like jumping from the service business, you know, growing up with that traditional model, not very technical, not very, you know, high growth scale, all these things, burn capital, the way that startup world does today. Um, it was foreign. The one thing that to kind of toot my own horn a little bit and, and what let me or what gave me the ability to feel confident and going to what I do is I do like to read a lot, whether it, I mean, from both books to literature, to newsletters, to, I mean, anything and everything. I mean, I spend mo- a lot of time on my phone, but most of it I would say is consuming, um, just reading sometimes too, f- like too much. You get, you really do get burnt out. If you read too much and you know, a million thoughts going in your head, but I read across a lot of disciplines. Um, and I always had an interest in tech and I followed it. But as I started to kind of, you know, have these ideas in 2018 about something in the startup world, I started to dabble a little bit. I had some friends and cousins in the tech space. So they kind of, I would ask them questions from time to time. And just naturally, I was interested. So I would—I would, reading about it was like just, it was fun. It was a hobby. Um, but it still didn't get me where I needed to get to. It got me enough that I had an idea and I kind of knew, okay, it can't be that hard to build this. And then, you know, there's different avenues we can go. We can find a CTO or we can build it offshore or find a, you know, a company to build it for us. So a lot of it up to that point, the basics of how to get to that point, I kind of knew. And, you know, naturally being groomed to run a company and and learning from my father who's run the company for now 40 years. I was always very competent in my abilities to, to just do things, to lead people, to find good people. Uh, and I knew that whatever I did, I could learn along the way if I found the right people to bring on board that can kind of fill for the things that I don't know. And there's a lot of things I don't know. So I said, you know, what am I good at? The business side and the people side. So let me find someone for marketing. Let me find somebody for, you know, naturally the technology side, because that's the most important. So I learned, like, because of my skills that I had learned, a lot of them were transferable. Just learning the technological aspect was a work in progress. We were fortunate that we hired, uh, we brought on an, ama- an amazing CTO. Who's had a few startups in the past? Worked at some, you know, big companies in uh, in uh, in Toronto, like CIBC Banking. He helped build a digital platform. I don't know if you're familiar with the Score Mobile, which is a, it's a mobile app, kind of like ESPN Canadian version, pretty big app. Uh, okay. He helped build the original platform for that. So very, very good technical guy. Uh, just happened to meet up with him and, and worked out, and we you know jumped into it together. So. From that point on, he was very bright and that really, really talented. So he was able to teach me a lot of stuff. I didn't have to dive too deep. I don't need to know how to build in what lines of code I'll say, but he helped me understand why we picked the technology we did, why we're using the cloud platform we are, you know, how we scale this, what happens when this crashes and so forth. Um, And while I don't know, know, I'm not a technical founder, I, I know a little bit enough to speak to it if I'm hiring somebody and so forth. And it's been really cool to learn. Um. You know, the world is moving very naturally. We're in a, in a technical age, a technology age, and it will continue to accelerate. So learning all this is very cool. I mean, if I can, you know, cast goes to the moon and we IPO on this for 10 years, amazing. I feel like I'm learning along the way and I'll continue to do so. Uh, but whatever I do now, having these skills also seems, uh, I'm th- super grateful for them because, you know, they, they can apply to any industry and, and so forth. And, and to be honest, at the beginning, I was much the same way you are. Like, I wasn't super technical. I um, wasn't you know, I'd go to my brother when I had computer issues and all that stuff. But you just kind of mm. learn. If you love what you do, it's the most important thing. Learning is easy because you're, you're you want to do it all day and all night. Like I'm on my computer till midnight most nights and then back up at seven doing it again. I am sh- super passionate about what we're doing.
0: So makes learning easy. Nice. And and I love that. Like being a founder or a boss, like you don't have to be the smartest person in the room and, and oftentimes you're not. You just have to surround yourself with the smartest people. And, and it sounds like that's what you're doing. But that being said, like you, you starting a technical business, but you chose to go about the least technical way to, um, uh, promote it. Yeah. Um, I, I believe it was operation Charlie Tango. Is that right? Correct. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, you spend almost two months in a 36-foot big purple RV going around the United States. Uh, Mostly, from what I could see, it was mostly college campuses Mm -hmm. um, trying to get people to sign up for this thing. Uh, Four people or so in this RV uh, just road tripping. Um, Brilliant, I think. Uh, How did that go? Tell me about that trip.
1: Yeah. So you're right. It definitely is not the way that most companies scale these days. And I can tell you that it's not something that is scalable. Like we're, you know, we were hoping for the best that we'd get a million downloads out of it, but naturally like the odds of doing that are so slim. I mean, um, but we said, you know what, like we've tried digital ads, we tried influencer promotions all that stuff. And it just seems like people are bombarded with ads today across any and every platform. So it's hard to sift through for what is quality versus what is noise. And we said, You know, being a social voting app, even if I saw that, I would say, I don't want a social voting app. I'm good. I have enough social media. Let me skip this. So we found that digital ads weren't taking as much. And we said, you know what? We're going to do what we've done that's been the most effective. And that's just talking to people. Because in Toronto, our office is near this big park. And we'd go on on weekends, grab a cooler of, like, beer and, you know, sunglasses and hats, have conversations, give stuff to people, and it it worked. People would be like, oh, what you're doing makes a lot of sense once you understand the, the why of what we're doing. Um, so we said, how can we do this on a bigger scale? We want to start getting to more of that target Gen Z demographic. That is our kind of like our, uh, core user. So yeah, we, we rented an RV, we wrapped it in the company, low, uh, you know, company brand, uh, company branding, like the purple and, and white and started from Toronto, which I
0: love by the way, like that purple is my absolute favorite color. So it pops well, kudos. Thank you. Thank yeah. you.
1: We actually did a rebrand. Yeah. It was like a different, it was a li- like a lighter purple back in April. We revamped the app in August and we got that new one in it. And actually like it stood out, uh, it stands out really, really well. Like you can't miss it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we drove from <coughs> uh, Toronto basically to summarize down the, across to the East coast. So we went down through Buffalo and then across to like Boston, all the way down uh, to Florida. It took us about 30 days, you know, spent some time in New York on a, on a long weekend, Philly, Hit Washington, uh, caught the Washington NFL, uh, the Washington football team's opening, uh, opening game of the NFL season, which was super cool. And then you see, yeah, hit a bunch of universities. We stopped at some like parks and some festivals, if you will, and, and other big events, but majority was university campuses because the stuff we were giving away just really appealed to the demographic we were going for bucket hats, viper glasses, t shirts, stuff like that. Um, And yeah, I mean, you know, made it out of Florida, took a short break, uh, came home for a week. My co-founder's brother got married, so came home, some festivities, and then flew right back down, went across to Texas, and then made our way back up, uh, up this kind of the middle of America. And uh, it kind of ended it off by going to the Tennessee Titans versus Buffalo Bills Monday Nighter. My co-founder, Ricky, and I are Tennessee fans, so that was cool. And then we got back about a week ago.
0: Nice. That's Awesome. And I'm I'm a fan of bucket hats. Yeah. And purple, by Perfect. the way. Yeah.
1: You gotta uh drop yeah. me uh send me uh, offline, send me your email, we'll get i uh, will get a bag sent out to you. We got a bunch of stuff at the yes. office. Yes. We got we got you. We yes. Got a, we have a lot of stuff left. I'll there. get it.
0: And I'll I'll put it on I'll put it on LinkedIn with all your swag.
1: <laughs> you got it, man. Yes, we'll, send for sure. a, we'll send you absolutely but we'll send you Ricky's actually doing that uh will be sending it out soon. We got a bunch of stuff at the office we're gonna be getting ready to send out, so we'll we'll put one with your name on it.
0: Yes, <laughs> nice. Oh, no, that's that's awesome. I was I was reading a uh, part of your blog with that, and um, I'm I'm happy that you're no longer a uh, UT fan, and and that you enjoyed uh, Florida, uh, you know, University of Florida. Because for some reason, I don't know why, I've always been a University of Florida fan, even okay. though like I I'm a big CU fan, Colorado University. Yeah, yeah. Cause I grew up 30 minutes away from Folsom field. Wow. Um, But for some reason I've just always been a a Florida Gator fan. I've just, I don't know why just always have been. So that made my heart happy when I saw (laughs) that on your blog. Awesome, man. Um, Actually, I've seen Florida
1: play back in the day when I was in high school. I went to a, I was in Florida one, like Christmas or something, my family. And we saw Florida play Michigan um, in like the citrus bowl or, or something. Not, not the orange bowl, but another one down there. And it was when Tim Tebow was playing and, and all those guys. And um, I, didn't, I cheered for Michigan because they're closer to Toronto. And, and after going down here to the Florida campus and seeing them play Alabama, like the campus is, is insane. It's like the biggest campus I have ever seen. It took us like an hour to walk from one end to the stadium. Um, but, yeah, after seeing that game and like, the swamp, the atmosphere, I was like, and I just love Florida. People hate on Florida a lot. Mm-hmm, me a joke, too. Jokes about Florida. I love Florida also. It's amazing like the humidity gets you like it really, you, you sweat like profusely, but it just it mm-hmm. has everything. I think it has everything. There's so many like, different parts and pockets of it. Uh, so yes, I am a university of Florida fan going forward. UT. Uh, I'm sorry if you have any people from UT listening, I used to love the longhorns, but they weren't very friendly. So I'm not, my allegiance is gone from UT now.
0: Yep. Um, and as, as we were talking offline, uh, one of the absolute friendliest places that I've ever visited was New Orleans, so I, I am also an LSU fan. Oh yeah, uh, just Louisiana. Louisiana people are are very very friendly, and they have the purple. So yeah, I, I, I like LSU as well. So
1: my co-founder, um, my co-founder was driving across when he came through Florida. He wanted to stop. I think he stopped at LSU, but I think it was the campus wasn't that busy. He said. <laughs> Because our purple was perfect, like would have got would have got a million yeah. dollars there, um, and it was didn't work out. And actually, TCU, Texas Christian Christians, Texas Christian University, yeah. their color is almost I think it almost identical to our purple. We drove to the campus. There was not a single person. We drove around for like an hour. We had no idea why. So we left next day. We looked online. It was their spring break reading or whatever. Uh, oh no! Fall <laughs> break, fall break, yeah, So... <laughs> it didn't work out but yeah Mm. purple school somehow we didn't we didn't get lucky with
0: so um anyways maybe next time yeah that's a bummer yeah that's a bummer um so i mean you're not you're not very old in this uh but you know so far what can you tell me have you found is your biggest pain point having started this this thing uh the
1: big, or this, I guess I could answer that in two ways. The biggest pain point from like uh, operational running a company perspective is we launched our startup obviously in the middle of a pandemic. So, um, like we talked about off, offline, like Toronto, we're a lot better now, but Toronto had one of the toughest lockdowns of, uh, I mean, I think of any city in the world. I mean, maybe not that, but any city in North America, I would, I would safe to say. Um, so, you know, you couldn't meet in groups, you couldn't go out. So that meant like we couldn't be in our office with our team. We, we operated fully remote, has its pros and cons. I mean, naturally it means people are, you know, kind of not wasting time driving and commuting, but the downside is you don't get that kind of camaraderie. You don't get those like, you know, ephemeral ideas that you talk about at the water cooler or someone has an idea because they hear a conversation. So that stuff we didn't really get, that startup kind of culture and experience of, you know, grinding and burning the midnight oil together. Um, and on top of that, we couldn't do a lot of team events because, Again you couldn't go to restaurants and bars bowling lanes, and you know just all these places were shut down or at a reduced capacity, so you couldn't have a group of like ten together uh, so that it, it kind of i think it took a bit of a toll on us in that regard. We've kind of made it we've made it through in our in our team and an amazing team of people, so uh, I don't think it hurt us in any way, but I think like we missed out a little bit on that aspect. The other challenge now that that we're kind of about to start facing is um you know naturally to continue to, to succeed we got to raise capital now. And, and, you know, I think we've hit all the boxes for our startup. Our app is, you know, super engaging. Our metrics are all terrific. People are using it at such a high rate, uh, that not only, uh, is exponentially greater than like our direct competition, the apps that we think are most similar to us, but we're talking like length processions of like TikTok and and big social, like audio media, social apps, which is super encouraging. It means we've built a great product that is bringing value to people that Mm -hmm. they're enjoying. We're growing, but, Naturally, now it's a part of we've raised some money so far and we're going to continue to keep raising And Now, it's that's the kind of the, the kind of the challenging part I think is coming up is you know preparing the deck to be hard hitting and making sure that people you know you get the story across in a concise way. Because as like I said, when we talk to people, it's easy to see the value, but it's how do you boil that down into as few words as possible to get the point across in an effective way? You know, convince people to, to come on and be strong partners to help you continue to grow. That's kind of the part that might is kind of I see now as a bit of a challenge. Do I think that, you know, it's going to be super hard? I don't. I think that we've built a great product and have a great team and we've got the right people for this job, but naturally it's, a, it's largely out of our hands now. Now it's just, do people believe in what we're doing, the same mission and so forth? So it might be a bit of a, a challenge coming up, but we're ready
0: for it. Yeah. Are you, are you able to boil things down into less words? Yeah,
1: I'd say I've worked on the deck a lot. Like I told you in the beginning, I, I can talk forever and ever and I'm all over. The good thing is, again, I have a good team around me. And um, as much as I am able to say in a concise way, I naturally lean on um, my sister actually uh, works with, with us as well. She's the director of communications. Awesome. She's She is like the op we're very similar. We're very opposite. We were, you know, been super close to her kids. Uh, and we both actually worked the family business with my brother. I poached her over to, to cast, but she is the, you know, the, she's like the wordsmith. She, she understands how to be clean, concise. She's the, an amazing public speaker. So she's like the yin to my yang. I come out and I just talk for an hour. She'll say, okay, that's great. I took all that. I can say it in five words. Uh, so it's, it definitely, uh, again, like we said earlier, finding that that help with your weaknesses and so forth. Um, we've got a, we've done a good job of, you know, bouncing ideas off and and boiling everything down into this this nice narrative. So we're actually about to start getting it fired off to to investors now, which is pretty
0: exciting. Awesome. Awesome. I love that. I, I don't know. I think, I think you guys are going to be able to kill it. Um, so hopefully, I appreciate it. Um, yeah, uh, I we've kind of covered this throughout this whole conversation, um, but I want to I want to see if you can put this just into a thought. What do you think makes a good leader? Um, we talked about that with your dad and with what you kind of learned, you know, growing up. But what do you think makes a good leader, and how are you working on this category now?
1: Uh, great question I think there's a there's a few things but i 'll keep us to the very few words because we're trying to work on that is I think really really being able to listen and, and that doesn't mean just being able to hear what people are saying and sit patiently it's really understanding what people are saying because um, everybody again is raised differently everyone has different ways of communicating somebody might be saying something that sounds at the surface level incoherent or you might find it dumb or invaluable but there may be a, a deeper underlying problem or again that why or what are they really saying um i think being a le- being a good leader means being able to hear somebody and really understand where they're coming from putting yourself in their shoes and say you know what are they trying to tell me here because not everybody is, is articulate some people like me ramble forever you got to find that that real that real why they're talking about and i naturally as well being like empathetic to people um it's a kind of cliche and everybody throws that word around a lot but Again, just being able to see their, their position, their predicaments, their stories, and understand that, uh, you know, if you ha- you might have a deadline, and that person might have, you know, threw you for a loop and not hit it, but, you know, you're going to yell at them when they have a million other things, their kids sick at home, and they're crying, this, you don't know what people are going through as well. So, again, not being that boss that just comes down and says, you didn't meet this, you're, you know, you're in shit, of my language, but just being able to listen no, and, and be empathetic towards, towards who they are. <laughs> um, that's what I think would be be the most important things and and things that I'm still trying to work towards. Still, there are days where I don't, you know, I do the opposite of those things. Um, but just being aware of that and working towards that. Are you a dad? I am not. I'm a, I'm a new uncle, which is, which is, but not a dad yet.
0: Nice. Well, congratulations to, would that be your sister or your brother? Congratulations to whoever it is. Right. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but, uh, you, you know, you just you just kind of explained being a dad. I, I have five kids, right? The oldest is twenty two, oh, wow. the seven.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. That's honestly, um, I, think I, would, so, I would love to have that many one day. But I, I'll get some advice from you after that.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. I, I'm here for you. We'll, <laughs> we'll we'll connect on on LinkedIn and and uh, we'll we'll keep in touch for sure. It. That's but, a lot uh, Good for you. You know, I mean, you you keep learning, and and you don't always hit the mark, and you just keep. You just keep trying, um, but kind of what you said in there. You know, one one thing that I did with with my children, and, and still do, is like if they they get in trouble, you know, we come down on them, right? And you and you have to, um, but after you come down on them, you give them a voice, right? And you say, okay, so what do you what do you think of that or you know, you say why? Why do you think I came down on you? And are you mad or are you upset? And do you think that was fair? And sometimes they say yes. Sometimes they say no. And if they say no, why? Why do you think that wasn't fair? And give them a voice, right? Give them a mm-hmm. give them a why, and a, and let them answer. And most often. You know, they their their reason for being upset is because they're they just got in trouble, right? And then my my job is to tell them, well, I am right and you are wrong, right? But every once in a while, they'll come up with a reason that you know, Dad, you were unfair because of this, and I am like, hmm, you are absolutely right, mm-hmm. and I was wrong, so let's fix that, let's tweak it, and that's kind of what. Kind of what you were saying there, right? like you can you can not just come down on them but lead them in a way where but you I know you. You, you're leading them correctly, you know um and not just coming down on them but but you're leading them empathetically and 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 correctly there so yeah. um what what you were saying there just kind of reminded me of of being a dad, you're not always right. You know, yeah. and, and so that's why I asked, that's why yeah, I asked no, if, you're, no, I, I if you're a dad, because you'll, you'll get there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean,
1: I, to, to your point, <clears throat> my, my being an uncle. So my sister had a, had a daughter. She just turned one uh, a couple of days ago. And uh, like the, I can't even imagine the amount of joy that I get when I'm around this, like little baby, like, I can't even imagine what it's like when you have your own, but I also am now seeing how truly, how much work really goes into it? Like, my sister didn't take, I mean, she took Matt leave for a bit because she was at impact with me at the team of the family business, but she came to cast to help us get it off the ground. And again, she's super talented. So we wanted her to be there, but she was juggling having a daughter, trying to put hours in at cast and all these things. And I would go over and work with her. And, and now her daughter's starting to walk and like, we would work together, but then you can't, you take your eyes off the kid for a second. And she's gone in another room. And like, you think that she maybe, you know, fell or something. It, it's I'm like, think, looking at all this, I'm like, this is making me anxious. Like, this is crazy. And, and like, to your point, you have five, like that's, you know, I've always said, you know, three to five is kind of, I'm one of three. So three, four, five would be kind of cool. But seeing one, man, that I have so much respect for parents, for mothers, for anybody who's got, you know, any kid is obviously work, but to have three plus kudos to you, man, That. Good for you. That's I, I can't imagine. Hopefully, one day I know what it's like. But I, right now, I can't even fathom it. Like one is a handful. Can't even imagine like five.
0: Well, we figured out, you know, once once you hit three, like it's just four and five was nothing. Like yeah. you, three was kind of the tipping point. You know, like yeah. uh, once you have three, what what's more, it's okay. <laughs> you know? to know. good to like, know. Kind, kind of the same thing. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's good to know. Good for you. So, that's awesome.
0: Yeah. Um. All right, buddy. So we're I think we're oh a minute and four or an hour and four minutes into this thing, which is awesome. Doesn't even seem like that. Yeah. Um. So we we should probably go ahead and land this. Okay. Um, so I, I will ask the same two questions that I ask everybody that's on this uh, to finish this thing out. And, and the first one is what advice would you give to founders or soon to be founders that are going to watch this program? Soon to be founders or founders are going to watch this.
1: It's um, a good one. I haven't been asked that before. Soon to be founders or founders that watch this. I guess that I'm going to use this because it's like the thing that we always use as our like our, our North Star. Um, if you don't ask, the answer is always no, and I mean it kind of goes it goes into anything um, whether you you know try to make that sale, whether you want to you know launch a new product, whether you're literally anything if you don't ask for raising capital, the answers going to be no like until you you got to get rid of all the fear, bury all the rejection of what or the judgment or what are they going to think of me or what are they going to say to me or what if they think my idea sucks, what if they laugh at me, who cares? Because a lot, most people aren't willing to take the leaps of faith and jump into the unknown that founders are. It doesn't matter if you're trying to found a small e com business, trying to you know launch a, a massive future Fortune 500 company of massive aspirations. It doesn't make a difference. The, the game is the same. And if you're not willing to, if you're not willing to forget about what people are going to think of you, and not willing to kind of ask people for help or ask them for support or ask them to kind of vet your ideas, you're not going to get very far. So. That's one thing I had to learn the hard way. Because you recall, I said, when I was super young, I was had no fear of anything. I will go knock on doors and, and mm-hmm. you know shovel the driveway. Then for a long time, I was always scared of, okay, now I'm starting to know things. But what if people start to think I don't know things? What are they going to think of me? And that was really, it's a crippling. You don't realize it, but it is because it holds you back from you know cold calling 100 people or sending out these emails. You're scared of if they okay, reject you or ignore you, whatever. Who cares? The people who ignore you, they forgot about you already. They're not thinking about you. The ones who are kind of you know, dismissive of you, okay, take it and learn. And, and the ones who open the door for you, if you didn't ask, you never would have had those opportunities. So that's the best advice I can give. Nice.
0: I like it. I like it. And then the very last question is, what is the best way for our viewers to get in touch with you if they so wish? Uh, the best way
1: is LinkedIn, George Butsalis, there is two George Bootsalaces. I'm wearing a purple sweater and my hair's a bit shorter. The other one is my cousin. Don't add him unless you need electrical work. (laughs) Um, He owns owns an electrical (laughs) company. Uh, Or you can find me on Twitter. uh, Or actually the best way is to get on Cast. Download it. The link is all over every social media of mine. And you can find me on Cast at George or shoot me an email george at joincast.co.
0: Right on. Well, George... It was uh, awesome. I had a lot of fun. Uh, I hope you did too. I did. You have a super, super great day. And thank you so much for being on the show. Well, I appreciate it, man. It was a pleasure.